Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. You know, it said 80% about what we worry about never happens. 80% of what we worry about will never take place. Your fears, more than likely, are not going to happen to you. I mean, growing up, that monster under the bed more than likely was a vegetarian and had no thoughts of eating you. Your mom's saying if you make the face to the camera and hold your face like that long enough, you'll end up permanently having your face stuck in that way. Ain't gonna happen. Your mom's saying if you take a picture with the flash on and your eyes are crossed, that you're gonna be cross-eyed the rest of your life. Got news for you. Not gonna take place. Mom's creepy... clown that she kept on that, you know, shelf that you would look at and run past because you're afraid it was going to come to life and grab you? Well, that one might be one of the ones that happened. I mean, I mean, let's just admit it, those things are creepy. Or my favorite, and I know I've shared this before, my favorite, because your sisters were evil and made you and your, your brother, uh, you know, when your parents were out grocery shopping, they sat you down and made you watch Jaws 3. <laughs> Jaws busting into the deep end of the pool to eat you as you're jumping in as a cannonball. Not going to happen. Why? Because 80%, like I said, of what we worry about are really not relevant fears. Most of what we worry about is never going to take place. So what we should be worrying about is that of eternity, as we've been talking in our Sunday school class. So let's just kind of get this idea floating within our head. What is worry anyway? And what does it mean about us when we carry around anxiety and worries and fears? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, and I would love for you guys to turn there, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus warns three times in this chapter as He closes not to worry. He says over and over, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. But as asked before, what does it mean to worry? Let's read Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 25 to start, and then jump to 31 and 32, but then as we go through, we're going to go through every verse in this text. For this reason I say to you, do not worry. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Jump to verse 31 and 32. Do not worry then. So this is the second worry. Do not worry then. Saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That word worry that we're being confronted with over and over in these few verses in Matthew chapter 6 is the Greek word marimneo, marim. Neo, which it's really the combination of two words in the Greek. The first one is morizo, which means to divide, to divide. So Jesus is saying, you have divided. And the next is the word neos, which means mind. You have a divided mind. Jesus is saying, hey, when you are coming to life, And you're saying to yourself, what am I going to wear? You have a divided mind. How many of you guys this morning, you guys had one pair of clothes and you looked at it and you said, what am I going to wear? Let me ask you, were you really concerned about church at that moment? Or concerned about what people were going to think of you as you came to church wearing what you had originally chosen to wear. You see, that's the idea of having a divided mind is when you're worried about something else rather than the things above is what Jesus is letting us know. He's saying don't have a divided mind within life. As we get older, our worries, our fears, they become based on having a split or divided mind. We're at war within ourselves of the spiritual things of life and the physical things of this world. We want focus on Christ, but thoughts of earthly value start to take over and start to possess things that are swirling within our head. The fear of losing earthly possessions becomes too great to bear. And that's why Jesus, He starts putting it so clearly and so plainly for us in this passage. And He says, don't worry about these things. Because your heavenly Father already knows not what you want, but what you need. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, confronts us with the same idea of worry. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, down to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to Him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. 
But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, and this isn't the Brady Bunch, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary for Mary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen the correct treasures in life. There was only one chance she was going to have to sit at the feet of Jesus and absorb what He was teaching. She was only going to have one moment where Jesus was the host, was Jesus was the speaker within their home. And there was only one chance to sit at His feet and take it all in. And what Jesus is saying to her here is the same thing that He's saying in Matthew chapter 6. It's the same type of word. It's the same exact word, actually. Mary Mneo. You have a divided mind, Martha. Mary's mind isn't divided. She has chosen correctly. She has chosen the right thing. And I know a lot of people in here right now, they're saying, oh, well, no. Jesus should have snapped her up and told her to get out and help. Just the other day, uh, Meg and I and our family, we went over to uh, someone's house within the church that had invited us over for dinner. And it was great. Uh, the, the family was busy all week, so you know they, they, everybody lives different lives, right? Everybody always has things that are going on. So rather than spend the entire time in the kitchen having to prepare and really not being able to converse with the people they invited over, they decided to order out. And it just made where we got to sit and enjoy each other's company the entire time. Jesus is saying we have such little time here on earth. Spend it in fellowshipping with those who matter. Things do not matter. Preparation, yes, it's good to plan ahead, but you know what the Bible says about those things? Proverbs 16.9, it says, A man plans his ways, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. So it doesn't matter those things. What we need to focus on is the things that do matter in life, which is people. Which is people. Don't have a divided mind. It means that your focus has been stolen. Your focus has been stolen on things that really matter in life. Your children. The people you work with rather than the work that you're doing. Your family. The relationships that you're building. Those are the things that matter in life. Why? Because when you die, the stuff that you have does not go with you, but the relationships that you built will. Jesus says, stop worrying about tasks. Stop worrying about position. Stop worrying about success. Stop worrying about food. Stop worrying about money. And set your mind on the future things which are seated at the right hand of God. Amen? Rather than looking to the Lord uh, for what He could do for you in the here and the now and things of that nature, which is a lot of times people are focusing on everything else He's saying, focus on the idea that God is your provider. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says this. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, 
Listen, if, if, if you have a lack of understanding, a lack of wisdom, he says, hey, God's not going to rebuke you for that. Just pray for it. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. There's that confrontation again, without a divided mind. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If Jesus tells us to stop doing a particular thing, okay, everybody in here is a theologian right now, okay, so I want you to think about that. If Jesus tells us to stop doing a particular thing and we continue do it, doing it, then what is that called? It's called what? Only like three of you were bold enough to say it. Let's say it all together now, all loudly. What is it called? Sin. Or disobedience, if you want to put it that way, because we're all children of God, right? If we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're children of God. So we're being disobedient children. We are sinning towards the Word of our Father. And Jesus is saying, do not worry. And every time we start to worry about things, what are we doing? We're sinning. We're being disobedient to the Word of our Father. Worrying occurs in our lives when circumstances control and dictate our well-being. I think that's worth saying one more time. Worrying occurs in our life when circumstances control or dictate our well-being. Think about that. Panic sets in in your life. Anxiety sets in in your life. You begin to doubt your Creator, the Speaker of the universe into existence. When you let worry, doubt, anxiety, and fear take over. When we refuse to step onto the ledge of faith and jump, because fear of drowning, because fears of what, what if the Lord asks me to leave my comfort? begin to sink in. And it robs us of something greater in Christ. We literally are standing at the ledge of a faith builder. And the Lord is just that great Father. Just like, you know, uh, maybe, maybe you experienced it, maybe you didn't, but I, I remember as a kid standing on the edge of the pool, right? And you have the little floaties that, that just got taken off. Those little floaties, those little arm floaties that really I, I have no clue why we had them because you always floated like this inside the pool, right? If Jaws really was in the pool and you're just sitting there bouncing up and down, that really is like fresh meat, just ah! But those just came right off. And Dad's standing in the, in the deep end of the pool and he's saying, just jump, just jump, I'll catch you. That's a faith builder right there. And Jesus does that in our life. And he says, just jump and I'll catch you. 
And this will be something great in your life, but you have to stop being divided in your mind with the fears and anxieties and doubts that are building and preventing you from jumping. Having a divided mind is a consequence of having what Scripture calls bad eyes. Take a look as we learned a few weeks ago at Matthew chapter 6, the verses just before what we're reading today. Matthew chapter 6, go back to verses 19 to 24. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The same idea of what's being talked about here where you have this divided mind of working for things and working for possessions. Jesus is saying, don't do it in that sense. Yes, it's good, and, and, a, and he says a wise man builds up an inheritance for his children's children, so it's good to preserve and it's good to save, so he's not teaching against that. He's saying, but if what you do in life is only for that, that's when things are wrong. That's when your eye is bad. He says, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a heart issue. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. He's saying, listen, if, you're, if your focus is on heaven, you're going to look around, and yes, you might have a great successful life. That's great. God's blessed you. That's a, that's a great opportunity. Use your success to profit for heavenly things. Use your influence to influence people in a positive light towards heaven. You see, that's what Jesus is always telling us as our goal in life is to have the clear eye where yes, I have things, but you know what? These things do not possess me. I possess them for the sake of His kingdom. And that's what it means to have a clear eye. Have you ever woken up and you had not clear eyes? You remember, you know, you just wake up and your eyes are all blurry and you're not really seeing things right. It takes about three cups of coffee to clear that out. Well, I remember this one time uh, I just heard my wife come into the house. We had all just woken up. It was a Saturday. It was after youth group. We used to do youth group on Fridays. We had had a late night. It was really, we were all tired. We slept in. Saturday, my wife comes into the house. She's crying. Oh, Cody. Allie's dead. And Allie was our little mini Dachshund. She was, she was a double dapple Dachshund, so she had a lot of gray on her. And she was also getting older, so she had a lot of white, too. I jumped up, and, you know, this is our dog. At that time, I think she was like 15. I was like, oh, no, not Allie. I ran out in the backyard, and there inside the little doghouse that we had, there was, for sure, this gray, lifeless form. And I was just crushed as I walked over, and I'm, I'm fighting back tears. And I walk up, and I look in. And there is a dead possum that the dog had grabbed, shaken, and then said, you know what, this thing's comfortable, I'm going to bring it into the doghouse with me and lay with it. And I look, and there's Allie, all perky, looking up at me like, hey, when's dinner? I came back inside the house, and I said, honey, I'm so glad that you're emotional over a dead possum. 
when that dog finally does die, man, it's going to be a day of waterworks. But the thing is, in order to see correctly, you have to have clear eyes and clear vision. Amen? And Jesus is saying, hey, look, don't focus on the things that aren't really there, the things that are going to be gone in this side of, 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 of your reality, because you know what's going to take place is one day you will die, and those things are all gone. So focus on the things above. Have a singular fixed view of God in your life. And look at everything as, how is this profitable for my growth and relationship with Christ and others? Because what did Jesus say? The most important thing in life is what? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you focus on those things in life, then thieves cannot break in and steal. And moth cannot destroy. And rust will not settle. If your treasure has a heavenly focus and a spiritual drive, then you have clear vision. But if your eye is focused on an earthly prize, if your earthly value is always on things, if your sole benefit is what you can get out of it, then Scripture says your eye is poneros, it's bad, it's evil, it's wicked. Why? Because you're putting an intrinsic value on things that have no eternal value. So focus on the things above. And stop focusing on the what-ifs in life. You ever sat next to somebody that has the what-ifs always on their mind? That's what is a divided mind. What if? What if a thief breaks into my house? What if? What if a fire burns down my home? What if my, my, my partner in, in work steals all my clients and, and, and you know, I end up with nothing? What if? What if? What if? What if? What-ifs begin to divide their mind and steal their thoughts and pull them from a heavenly focus in life. They think that they need to start hoarding and protecting and hovering over. And Jesus is saying, don't be distracted by the what-ifs in life. Live your life to the fullest in Christ. Have a heavenly focus. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 once again. Starting in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. That they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, and yet... And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Jesus is saying, hey, look, aren't you more than important than a bird? And if you doubt the answer to that question, if you start getting, you know, with our PETA friends and saying birds are important, and birds are important, okay, so I better say that. If anybody needs to preserve the environment, it's Christians because we've been empowered with 
watching over this earth. But they're not more important than a child, right? They're not more important than you. Who did Jesus come to die for? You. Are you not more than they? According to Joseph Goldberg, he's a, um, a medical doctor, worry and stress brings on different types of disease. It brings on heart attacks, stroke, cancer, uh, early aging, and early death. Um, uh, some extra things that also worry, doubt, and anxiety cause in your life is asthma, obesity, diabetes, headaches, depression, anxiety, gastrointestinal problems, Alzheimer's, all because of stress. All linked to anxiety, stress, worry, and doubt. Things that can all kill you and rob from your life and happiness in Christ. Does worry add to your life? No. And that's what Jesus is getting to here. He says in verse 27, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? Well, according to this, worry removes from our life. So the answer to that is to have a heavenly focus. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He's saying, why are you distracted by your appearance? By the quality of your clothing. That's what He's getting to. He's like, hey, listen, Solomon, he had the best silks in the world. You couldn't get much bluer and purple when it came to the royal robes that he had. But I tell you the truth, that his clothes look like sackcloth next to the beautiful flowers that God causes to grow. So stop worrying as you look around if my appearance looks okay. That's what he's talking about. Don't be distracted by things that don't last. Verse 31, he continues on. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You're too distracted into providing for yourself. Too distracted into the I needs or the what ifs in life to realize that your heavenly Father sees all that you need. He hears and He knows all things and He will provide for you. He's saying the pagans or the unbelievers, they, they don't know God and they're even kind of like, you know what? I'm good. 
And he's saying, but you know, they seek after those things. And he goes, you, you're, to call, you're called to a different and a better life in Christ. So don't act like them. Here Jesus gives us the keys to squash our fears, our worries, our doubts, and our anxieties. The key to squashing anxiety. He says in verse 34, every day there are things to do. Isn't it? Doesn't, I mean, you look at that, he says, there's enough anxiety, there's enough worries, there's enough things to have to deal with today. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has a whole other set of issues that you're going to have to sort out. So it makes no sense to dwell on tomorrow's issues. The God that provides is in control. The God that knows is in control. The God that plans your steps in life is in control. The God that knows every hair on your head is in control. Some of us, that's a little bit easier. It reminds me of a cartoon where there was these two angels flying over this guy in the shower. And he was completely bald, but he had tons of hair on his shoulders. And he goes... It says only count the hairs on the head, right? Okay, only some people like that joke. But listen to what he says in verse 26. He says the birds don't buy food. They don't gather into store, into barns. But when they go to the dirt, they know exactly where the worms are going to be. When they fly to the bush, they know that there's always going to be a berry. Verse 28 to 30, it says, The grasses are here today and they're gone tomorrow, but they have the most beautiful clothing. And they don't even worry about it. What Jesus is trying to say is God knows what is needed and how to care for His people, so stop worrying about it. Because when you worry about it, you're thinking that God doesn't care. And that he won't provide. Listen, when you worry about your possessions, you know what's taking place is now your possessions are possessing you. What we need to do is view our resources in life, our possessions in life, love, finances, influence, and time, and realize the true source. We need to realize where they come from, which is our God above. Amen? Because the river doesn't tell the ocean, you're lucky that I'm giving you water. It realizes the outflowing, the outpouring comes from that source. Remove the resource thinking. Remove the possession thinking. Making it as the most important thing in your life. The study of your life. Your job does not provide you money. It is a route that God has chosen to provide your finances, right? Your friends do not provide you companionship. They are a means by which God chooses to let you know that you are not alone in this world, amen? Popularity does not dictate your importance. It is a platform God has given you to use for Him to show He is important to everybody that Jesus has died for all, amen? Your family is not your source of love. They are just who God uses to demonstrate and illustrate what He feels for you. You see, when God 
is your source. You don't have to worry about your resources in life. Yes, stay busy at the task that God has given you to care for and to nurture and to be stewards of. But don't worry about your tomorrow. Or as Jesus says in verse 33, seek first His kingdom because He's the one seeking out your today. You see, the reason Jesus mentions the bird of the air and the grass of the fields in Matthew chapter 6 is the flowers do what God has given them in purpose in their life, right? The plants, they begin to grow, they begin to fruit, all because that's what God has purposed them to do. That's what God has designed them to do. They are there to fruit, they are there to grow, they are there to be beautiful and show flowers. They fall on the earth as seed, they spread the roots, they grow, they bloom, and they seed. And God does all the rest. And that's the same thing in our life. He's saying, no, 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 you're designed to worship. You're designed to worship, not to worry about all the other things in life. You're designed to be fruitful in relationship, not to worry about all the other things in life. Don't worry about all the rest. The seeds don't worry about the rain. The seeds don't worry about the sun. The seed doesn't worry about all those different things, about photosynthesis. If I'm, Am I going to do this right? This is a lot of pressure on me. Am I going to have the most beautiful flowers? No, they don't worry about all those things. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to worry about things in life that you don't have control over. Focus on the things above, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus mentions the birds. The birds, they always get the worm, don't they? The berry's always there. They always get the twig that they're flying towards to build their nest. Let me ask you, have you ever seen a lazy bird? Have you ever seen a bird that refuses to fly and just sits you know, on the, on, the, on the branch and it's just looking up to heaven like, hey, I'm supposed to get my worm. Drop it in my mouth, God. How am I going to feed five eggs? No. No, the bird is active in getting the twigs to build its home. The bird is active in knowing where the right place to go to. Why? Because its Creator is able. And it depends on its Creator. The bird doesn't sit with its mouth aimed towards heaven waiting for its food. No, it goes out knowing that God is going to provide for each of its big problems in life. It goes searching the ground knowing that God has provided the worm. It goes to the trees knowing that God has provided the berries. It goes to the branches knowing that God has provided its sticks because its provider is able. Amen? And that's why Jesus is saying, I want you to look at the birds because they give you a lesson. I want you to look at, at, the, at the fields and get a lesson. I want you to know that I'm going to provide for you because I am able. And do you believe that your God is able? Then live your purpose, which is to seek His kingdom. First. Don't let worry starve out your view of God. Don't let worry, doubt, and anxiety strangle your belief that God is able. 
Don't let things in life distract you from things that count, like your relationship with God and others. Now, you may be living with fear. You may be moving, but you still let the what-ifs attack you. And you're living in that shadow of doubt, fear, and anxiety in life. Then listen to God's prescription to your worry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for everything. And let worry and doubt and anxiety ruin your day. Why are you guys laughing? Yeah, because my Bible doesn't say that either. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in every instance, in every moment, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There are three steps that Jesus provides the believer that combats the what-ifs in this passage right here. He says, first, take it to prayer. Take it to prayer. To kill anxiety, pray to the God that is able. Able to feed the birds of the air. And able to clothe the fields of the grasses. Pray, because your God is able. Make supplication. Supplication is saying exactly what you need and exactly how you need it. Just let God know. Say, God, I need this. I lack this. I desire it. Lord, I need you here and now. So God says, pray and be specific. And then the last thing He says, with thanksgiving. Praise Him. Thank Him. Rejoice in Him. Because you know what? Your God is able. Amen? Our closing thoughts are going to come from Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. Matthew 21, 21 and 22. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, if you don't have any of those worries and any of those anxieties and any of those fears, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all the things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Don't let doubt, fear, anxiety cast a shadow onto your tomorrow. Speak to your God.
Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.